Welcome to the Living Stones podcast. These are a recording of our Sunday morning meetings. We pray that these will be a blessing to you. So please enjoy listening. If you want to know more, please contact us at office at livingstoneschurch.co.uk. Thank you, Martin. Uh, good morning, everybody. We've all had a chat already. Um, what should I say? What should I not say? It's um, during these times that you think to yourself, it's going to go on forever. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I always say to myself, whenever I'm in a tough situation, everything passes. Um, and, you know, it's, it's advice I give to other people when they're going through stuff that everything eventually passes. And um, when we get to, and I know that, that we will get through this because Revelation tells us that in the end times, people will be, will be marrying, they will giving, giving people in, um, in marriage and everything will be going on just as it um, always has. So we will get through this and, um, and we will get to the point where we, we shall physically meet again properly and be able to sing and worship the Lord. And I was just saying to Martin and some of the others before um, we started that I was reading on the news and there's a number of churches up and down the, uh, the country who are meeting secretly um, uh, flouting the, the, the rules and um, there was there's even a Christian bookshop that opened up its doors and allowed people in and, and got fined the, um, uh, the going fine at the moment which seems to be very very high and um, I just want to encourage us that we are not at that point yet where um, we are ordered or commanded not to preach the gospel to keep silent um, and not to make mention of Jesus um, so I just want to encourage us to to keep going because um, we, we shall come to the end of this and we shall be able to meet again um, properly. I saw Liz at, on one of my jobs. Um, I went to the Devonshire um, Tennis Centre to measure up for some work there. And I'm like, oh, Andy, Andy. And I looked around and there was Liz and she had legs. It was incredible. <laughs> and we stood about two metres, three metres from each other having a chat and I thought, I just wanted to get up and hug her, but I thought Tony wouldn't understand that, would he? <laughs> but it was just so nice. It's so nice to see people that you know and love, your brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, I think we should take the comfort that not only are the world scientists, uh, Lord bless them, uh, coming up with something, but we shall get through this together. So I just want to pray and um, then hand over to, where is Ellie? She was eating toast a minute ago. There she is, bless her. Uh, and Emily, nice to see you. Um, let's pray and I'm going to hand over to, to Ellie. Dear Heavenly Father, I bless you and thank you for my brothers and sisters in Livingstone uh, Church, Lord. Lord, we are so many, so, so different, Lord. Um, and you know the hearts um, of every single one of us, Lord. You know the things that um, uh, create or trigger fear in us, Lord. You know the things that um, are of, of concern to us. And you are a loving Father, Lord. And I bless you that, um, like any loving Father, um, your heart and your desire is to bless your children, Lord. So, Father, I pray by your Spirit, Lord, in the name of um, Jesus, Lord, that you strengthen us, Lord, that you give us strength to continue, you give us strength to watch out for one another, Lord, and um, give us um, hope, Lord, that 
we shall see the end of this and we shall come together again. Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit, uh, be with us, Lord. Um, we, it is no barrier to your Holy Spirit, Lord, to, to be in everybody's house at the same time, Lord. We know that you are within us, Lord. So, Lord, I pray, bless this church, Lord. Bless us as we gather, Father. Um, renew that hope in us, Lord, that, um, that there is much better than what we are going through at the moment to come, Lord. And so I bless you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ellie, can I hand over to you? Uh, hello, everybody. Um, we are going to worship the Lord together. Come rain or shine, we will worship the Lord. Uh, so um, we, I think we're uh, going to use the Psalms today to, to just declare our worship to him. Um, so we're going to start off by singing um, Psalm 23. Um, and what I'd like you to all do is to look up a psalm um, to read out after the after we've we've sung the song. Um, just uh, just two or three, maybe maximum four verses uh, each. Um, uh, your favourite one, or uh, just one that you happen across that you've never noticed before. Um, just words of praise and worship uh, to to our God. Um, uh, children. Uh, you can, I'd like you to read as well, get mums and dads to help you to, to uh, find a psalm to read. If you're not sure where to look uh, uh, to read out a psalm, um, then um, the last five, so 145, 146, 147, 148, 149, 150 are all psalms which declare praise and worship um, to God. So those are good ones to look 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 at if you're not sure where to look um if you really don't want to that's absolutely fine um just those that can and would like to so let's start by singing psalm 23 This is from Psalm 90, uh, the first two verses. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Mine is from Psalm 113. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ashes. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. Yes, the, the, the pattern of the Psalms in, in so many cases is one where the psalmist um, is, is in a, a state of, of depression and, and disappointment and dismay uh, at, at what's going on in the world and in his own life. And then it turns very often the second half of the psalm is one of, of seeing triumph uh, and uh, through, through the, the tragedy and seeing God's almighty hands still at work. 
Uh, a few verses from Psalm 76 um, point this out, I think. Um, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? And, you know, those are all questions which we're kind of asking uh, or the world is asking uh, at this time. And then he goes on. Then I thought to this, I will appeal the years of the right hand of the most high. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? And what psalm was that, Paul? 77. 76. I'm not at home, so I've just said to my granddaughter, can I borrow your Bible? And she's given me her, I think it's one of these ones you have verses every day. And um, I just opened it up and it just fell open on Psalm 46. Uh, and it's the first sentence, really. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And that, to me, just um, was just right for uh, today for me. I, 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 some people are like me, some are not. Um, I, I tend to reflect quite a bit on the anti-God and the anti-Jesus forces that there are at work in the world. And there are a lot of them. And uh, I, I, I go to the scriptures, of course, like we all do. And Psalm 2 is quite important to me. Um, why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his holy anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in the heaven laughs. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. Jesus is king of kings, lord yeah. of lords. He shall reign until all his enemies become a footstool for his feet. That's mm. Psalm 110. Psalm 18. You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My, my God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a, against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. I love that bit, flawless. I mean, can you imagine saying this government is flawless? <laughs> um, he's a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is besides God? So, sorry, for who is for who is God besides the Lord? And who is who is the rock except our God? It is our God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet feet like a deer. 
enables me to stand on the heights. That's up to 33. I just want to share from Psalm um, 34, and it's um, a, a wonderful psalm of rejoicing. And it's when David was pretending that he was insane um, before um, Abimelech, um, when he, you know, he might have been, uh, he was probably in a really bad state. And he says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Amen. Uh, Psalm 27. The, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. 21 years ago, in November 1999, I was in a woeful um, place in November 1999. And I read at four o'clock in the morning at Psalm 119, and it made me sadder. But verse 65 turned, turned me around. You have done many good things for me, Lord, just as you promised. I believe in your commands. Now teach me good judgment and knowledge. I used to wander off until you disciplined me, but now I closely follow your word. You are good and do only good. Teach me your decrees. And guess what he did? I've got um, Psalm 139, which is my favourite. I'm sure it's a lot of people's favourites and it will be very familiar with it. And I was going to take the liberty of changing the I to we, just for us all. If I'm allowed to do that, but I'm going to. Um, where can we go from your spirit? Or where can we flee from your presence? If we ascend into heaven, you are there. If we make our beds in hell, behold, you are there. If we take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead us, your right hand shall hold us. If, if we say, surely the darkness will fall on us, even the night shall be light around us. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. We've got Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect. He gives us new life. His teachings last forever and they give wisdom to ordinary people. The Lord's instruction is right. It makes our hearts glad. The commands shine brightly and they give us light. Worshipping the Lord is sacred. He will always be worshipped. All of his decisions are correct and fair. They are worth more than the finest gold and they are sweeter than honey from a honeycomb. 
Psalm 126, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouths are filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Uh, bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Then this is the lovely bit. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his shoes with him. Uh, Psalm 40. Uh, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In times I will trust him. In him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Thank you, everybody. Um... Just, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe someone who's a great lyricist uh, here could have written words like that, but uh, I don't think I could have. Um, I really love worshipping God using the words of the psalmists. Um, and I think um, if we, we're looking at the psalms in our life group at the moment, and um, uh, I was wondering what they sound like actually in Hebrew. Uh, because lots of them were written for choirs to sing, so they must have rhymed and had, you know, iambic pentameter or what it's, you know, rhythm. And and when we read them, they're they're still amazingly uh, uh, written uh, with with great words and great metaphors, but they don't sound like a, a poem or a song. And uh, uh, and I would imagine that in Hebrew they do. They sound amazing. So thank you, everybody. Um, I don't think we'll do another song. I think um, that, uh, yeah, great worship. Well, thank you, Ellie. Um, yeah, that is amazing. Uh, the one I, I wanted to say was um, King David when he said, why are you downcast on my soul? And his answer to it was, for I will yet praise you. And so there is this, there is a time to look inwards, but there is a time to... Um, uh, to look at and to worship the Lord because we were created not to be self-centered but to be other-centered outward um, focus so bless you thank you for all those um, Ellie thank you for that Emily well done that was excellent okay um, I'm just going to pray for the children and I think the children are going to go somewhere without going somewhere I never understand that um, so I'm just going to pray for you and um, Justin where are you my friend up there um, Okay, dear Father, Lord, we do thank you so much for our children, Lord. Um, I was 
just talking with um, with two of my sons um, the other day and saying the greatest time um, I really enjoyed is when they were toddlers and that early age. They were so funny. Um, but Lord, there is so much wrapped up in them, Lord. And um, we know that you can train a child for, uh, for evil, um, but you tell us to train our children for good, Lord. And so, Lord, as they go to, um, uh, to their groups, Lord, I pray, Lord God, that um, the training that they receive now will bear fruit um, in, in the years to come, Lord, and beyond that into adulthood. Bless you and thank you for them and those that teach them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, Andy, there, there, there is a family time uh, slot prepared. Yeah. Oh, is there? My apologies. <laughs> well, well, you're going somewhere and coming back to this very uh, page. So <laughs> who, who is doing the family time slot? It's me. <laughs> ah, okay. I, I knew that Sue was doing the talk, but I didn't know that. Okay. Oh. My apologies. I just want to hand over to Martin. <laughs> Morning. Um, if you go into the New Testament and you link it up with the Old Testament, you often find that Old Testament characters are somehow representative of the New Testament. Um, and um, we are doing two Old Testament characters at the moment going through, finding out about Elijah and then his successor, the prophet Elisha. And actually, Jesus told us who Elijah in the Old Testament represented in the New Testament. So does anyone just want to quickly unmute themselves and tell us who did Jesus say Elijah in the Old Testament represented in the New? John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Thank you. That sounded like the voice of Margaret. <laughs> now, question. If Elijah represented John the Baptist, who do you think Elisha represents? Jesus. Jesus. Okay. Because Jesus followed John the Baptist and Elisha followed Elijah. We are going to do a story of Elisha today. And I'm going to show you a, a YouTube clip. And then I'm going to bring one thought at the end of it. One day, Elisha made his way to a town called Shunem. There was a woman in Shunem who had a lot of money. Anytime Elisha would pass through Shunem, this woman insisted that he come and eat at her and her husband's house. She loved having Elisha over for meals. Elisha would pass through her town so much that eventually she said to her husband, you know what, we should build a room for Elisha on top of our house. We could put a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp in it for him. That way he has somewhere to stay when he's passing through. So that's exactly what they did. Elisha was so grateful that one day he had his servant named Gehazi go get the woman and bring her to Elisha's room. Once she got there, Elisha had his servant Gehazi say, You went through all this trouble for us. What can I do for you? The woman didn't say anything that Elisha could do for her. 
So Elijah asked Gehazi what he thought they should do. Gehazi answered, saying, Well, she doesn't have any kids, and her husband is pretty old. That's it, Elijah thought. Then he told Gehazi to go tell the woman that by this time next year, she would have a son. The woman was in disbelief. Don't lie to me, she said, but Elijah wasn't lying. Within the next year, she had a little baby boy. After that, many years had passed and the boy grew up. One day, the boy went out to his father who was working in the fields and he started complaining that his head was hurting. So the father told one of his servants to pick the boy up and carry him to his mother. His mother held him until about noon, but then something terrible happened. The boy died. The mother was heartbroken, but she didn't show it. Instead, she took her son up to Elisha's room and laid him on Elisha's bed. Then she said to her husband, have one of the servants bring a donkey to me so I can go to Elijah and come back. Her husband asked why she was going today, but instead of telling him that their son had just died, she replied with, everything's fine. Then she put a saddle on the donkey and her and her servant rode as fast as they could straight to Elisha. Elisha saw the woman coming from a long way off. So he said to Gehazi, hey look, there's the Shunammite woman. Run out to meet her and ask her if everything's okay with her, her husband, and her child. When Gehazi asked her, she answered, everything's fine. But her attitude changed when she finally got to Elisha. She fell down to the ground and grabbed his feet and cried. Did I ask for a son? Didn't I tell you not to get my hopes up? She said. Elisha, seeing the woman's great sadness, turned to Gehazi and told him to take his staff and go to the child as fast as he could. Once he got there, he should place the staff on the boy's face. So Gehazi ran and did exactly that. But the woman refused to leave Elisha's side. When Gehazi got to the boy and put the staff on his face, there was no sound or sign of life. So he went back and told Elijah that the child had not awakened. So Elisha came to the house and went up to his room where the woman had placed her son. He prayed to God and then he walked over to the child and laid on top of him. He stretched out his body over the boy and when he did, the boy's body became warm. But he still didn't get up. Elisha stood up and walked back and forth. Then he stretched his body out over the boy again. Suddenly, the boy sneezed. Then he sneezed again and again. The boy sneezed seven times and his eyes shot open. He was alive. Elisha brought the Shunammite woman back and told her to pick up her son. She fell at his feet with thankfulness. Then she picked up her son who just moments ago had been dead, but was now very much alive. The end. Okay. <clears throat> Remember who Elisha represents. Now, we could make lots and lots of points from this story, but I was intrigued and thought about the fact that the woman twice didn't say what was, her, what was going on in her heart. First of all, her husband, and she said, I'm just off to see Elijah. And her husband at that point, Elisha, at that point, um, her husband hadn't realized that uh, their son had died. And then when she got near to Elisha, um, he, the, um, 
the servant was sent by Elisha and, and she said to the servant, now everything's okay, everything's okay. It wasn't until she came and fell at the feet of Elisha himself that she poured out her heart as to what the matter was. Sometimes in life, sometimes there are things in our hearts that are so hard and difficult. Sometimes we are in such anguish of heart, we do not even share it with our nearest and dearest. Sometimes we want to go to God for help. And sometimes the, the servant of God is not enough. You know, one of our brothers and sisters, a church leader or some counsellor or some, some person that we think we should tell our story is not enough. There are some times when we just need to go straight to the feet of Jesus. And this was one occasion. And I thought of uh, an, another one, Hannah, who likewise hadn't got a son. And she went to the temple and she went right into the temple to beseech. She didn't go to Eli or to one of the other servants. She hadn't even told her husband what she was going to do. She just went straight to God. And I thought two of the, the women who had had 12 years uh, trouble, um, bleeding, uh, that wouldn't stop. And how she just pushed through the crowd. She didn't want to see anybody else. She just knew she had to come to Jesus. Just as this woman did. Bear that in mind. Sometime you might come across, you might experience a situation and you will find it hard to share it with anyone. Go straight to Jesus and see what he says and does. Thank you for that. Um, I've already prayed for the children, so um, they are free to go and be blessed. Yeah, very interesting. Um, we say about that, I'm going straight to the Lord. Um, I know um, a few times over the years when um, I've come across someone and they, they seem to be in a, in a point that is in term, it's almost deadlock in terms of um, progressing beyond um, where they are at the moment for a particular issue or a problem. And after listening, I've, I've said to them, have you told the Lord about this? And they said, no. And, and you know, it's um, the most obvious one, really. And, and sometimes we just forget to tell the Lord. We, we tell everybody else... Um, go around to different people trying to find an answer. And the most obvious stop that we should make, we, we forget to do it. And so have you told the Lord about it? It is so important. Anyway, um, Sue um, is going is to be speaking to us shortly. And I'm just going to pray for her. She's talking uh, again from Mount Carmel, is it? The, uh, the prayer of, um, of Elijah. That's it, I've got that right. I'm going to pray for you. Dear Father, we thank you for the 
we thank actually we thank you for your word. We thank you for the New Testament, Lord, that has recorded um, all these events that took place down through the ages, Lord. And we know, Lord, you say in your word that all these things happened to them as an example to us, Lord. So I pray, Father, um, as soon um, opens up your word to us, Lord, as she um, opens up the, the prayer of Elijah, Lord. I pray, Father, that we will um, be strengthened, reminded, and um, encouraged, Lord, um, in terms of your word and going forward and what we can learn from, from this event, Father. Bless you. Be with Sue now. In Jesus' name, amen. Sue. Amen. Okay. Well, in family time, uh, we've been thinking about the prophet Elijah and his successor, Elisha. And so um, uh, we're going uh, to, it means I've been meditating on it and thinking about it. And uh, I'd like to share uh, something uh, from the scriptures, uh, from those stories. So Elijah, let's start with him. Uh, he lived about four generations after King Solomon. So, and after King Solomon, the nation of Israel and Judah uh, was divided into two. And uh, King Ahab was on the throne of Israel, which was the northern uh, part of their uh, kingdom. And um, it's, we, in Jesus' time, it was called Samaria. But in uh, this Old Testament time, it was called uh, Israel. And the southern kingdom, which had Jerusalem in it, was called Judah. So you've got these two kingdoms separated, two different kings on their thrones, uh, Judah and um, Israel. The capital city of Israel was Samaria. And in 1 Kings 16, we read that the king of, of Israel was Ahab. And he did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Instead of worshipping God, he had turned to worshipping idols. The two main idols were called Baal and Asherah. And Baal was a sun god and Asherah was a moon god. And uh, together, these two promised fruitfulness and fertility in time of poor crops. People would even sacrifice their oldest child to Baal uh, to seek his blessing on their farms and their, their um, crops. And uh, they built temples to Baal, uh, built uh, to house uh, temple prostitution. So um, this was an absolute affront to the true people of God who were obviously there, people like Elijah and other prophets who were there in the land and other people who did not want to worship Baal, wanted to stay uh, true and faithful to God. Um, but they had to hide away. It was a difficult time for them. Now, Elijah was an absolute embarrassment to King Ahab. Um, after Ahab had married Jezebel and built a temple to Baal in their capital city, Samaria, um, Elijah spoke to Ahab and told him that there would be no rain in Israel. And that was it. And he left Ahab to get on with it. Um, Elijah then disappeared off into the desert uh, where the Lord supplied him miraculously as we've had these stories with food and drink. Uh, the unrighteousness was just burning in Elijah's heart. 
So uh, then we come three and a half years later and the famine was uh, causing severe hardship and the Lord told Elijah it was time to go to Ahab and arrange a standoff between himself, the Lord God, and the prophets of Baal. And as you know, uh, I won't repeat the story, the prophets of Baal failed to cause fire to fall on their altar, which they had built on the top of Mount Carmel. And so when it was Elijah's turn, this is what we read in 1 Kings 18. So if you, if that's the chapter that we're looking at. Uh, the story is in there, 1 Kings 18. It says in verse 30, Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. So they came to him and, and uh, Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob. So we've got two things there that are told us in that verse. The first is that the altar of the Lord was in ruins. Now, we cannot in our own church and in our, our uh, way of life, uh, the Christians in our land, in our world, we cannot let the altar of the Lord, as it were, descend into ruins. We have to. Our job, we must keep meeting together. We must keep worshipping the Lord. We must keep the memory of Jesus alive uh, to ourselves, to our families, to our gen the generations that follow us. And uh, take communion together, remembering Jesus. It's utterly, utterly vital that we do that. Otherwise, the altar of the Lord in our area and in our lives uh, and in our land will just fizzle out. Second thing. Uh, so we keep on keeping on, yeah? We're doing it in the heavenlies. We're on Zoom, but we're doing it in the heavenlies to keep that altar of the, la of the Lord burning brightly. Um, so uh, secondly, did you notice that Elijah took 12 stones to rebuild the altar? And, he's, and it says he took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob. Now there were 12 tribes uh, uh, that made up um, the people of God in, um, we call them Israel now. Um, but the, the kingdom was divided into two. So actually in Israel, as it was then, there was only 10 tribes. Two tribes were part of Judah. But he had wanted to make the altar of the Lord with 12 tribes. So he's, he wants the nation to be united. Um, he doesn't want to hive off into his own little section of the church, as it were today. He wants us to be united. So it is our job as well that we uh, put unity of the church high on our agenda. It's not just about us and our church. It's about the church. It's about the name of Jesus who is uh, represented by, as we know, so many different churches. Division is a problem, and we must fight against it and unite as much as we possibly can uh, with the whole church of Jesus. Jesus doesn't have favourites. 
his church is his church, as we know. So we stick with it, we keep on worshipping, and we keep that altar uh, built, and we unite as much as we possibly can. These are lessons we learn from this story. Then Elijah asked the people, how long will you waver between two opinions? Uh, he said to them, if the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. And it says in, the, in that verse, but the people said nothing. They were, in other words, they were wavering between two opinions. They've got their famine in their land. And according to Baal, he's the God of fertility and crops growing. He's the sun god that makes that shines, that makes the earth fruitful. But also the true God, he brings blessing, doesn't he? So what should we choose? What should we choose? They were wavering between two opinions. Um, so what about us? Do we waver between two opinions? Do we sometimes think, well, I know the Lord answers other people's prayers, but he doesn't ever seem to answer mine. Do we kind of like have a half-hearted heart because we're going through a difficult time? Um, is God really going to look after me? Is he really good? Let's not be those people that waver between two opinions. Whatever happens, we've read all those Psalms this morning telling us, no, God is faithful. God doesn't change. God is good. He created the world. He's got the whole uh, of the kings of the world, as Martin read, in his hands. There's only one God, everyone. <laughs> and uh, we know this is true in the deepness of our hearts. So when difficulties and trials come, don't let's be those that waver between two opinions. And idolatry is such a sin. We have to come to God and confess that we're putting our faith and our trust uh, in other things beside the Lord. Uh, and uh, righteousness in the New Testament refers to those who have been forgiven. That's how we're made right when we receive forgiveness. There's forgiveness for us daily. Uh, when we wander off, uh, we can come back to the Lord and say, sorry, Lord, sorry, Lord, we didn't come to you first. We went everywhere else. As Martin was sharing about the Shunammite woman, let's follow her example and keep Jesus as our focus, whatever circumstances we have in our lives. So the people, it was time for them to see who they should be worshipping. Uh, and when the altar was ready, and the stones had been put into place, all the 12 stones, then um, Elijah prayed this prayer. And we find uh, this prayer in 1 Kings 18, verse 36. And this is what uh, Elijah said. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel. Was the first sentence. Second sentence, let it be known that I am your servant 
and have done all these things at your command. Third sentence. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you are Lord our God and that you are turning their hearts back again. So we're going to have a look at those three sentences. Okay. So the first sentence, answer me, O Lord, answer me. Oh, sorry, no. Sorry, the first, first sentence, sorry. I've, I've, I've skipped a little bit in my, in my um, notes. Um, so the first sentence, we can echo Elijah's prayer. He said, let it be known today that you are God in Israel. Don't we want everyone to know that there is a God that loves them, that he sent his son Jesus to die for them, that their sins could be forgiven, that they could be right with God. They could join his family and become his child. Don't we really want everyone to know that? And doesn't it pain us when we, we see people totally ignoring God, living as though he did not exist? So we can certainly echo Elijah's prayer. Now, when uh, we come to Paul in the Acts of the Apostles, Paul went to speak to people who were not Israel, as it were, not Jewish people. He spoke to Gentile people, people who hadn't even heard of God. And uh, in Acts 14, 15, uh, we read about Paul who went to speak to Greek people in Lystra. Now, these people had no idea about the one true and living God. And this is what Paul says to them. It's very interesting. He says to them, because they were trying, they were absolutely idol worshippers. There were idols everywhere. And they even tried to worship Paul and his friend Barnabas because he, they'd seen him, that they'd seen miracle that Paul and Barnabas had performed. So they're trying to worship them. And Paul says to them, we are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless idols to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. He has shown his kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. God is good to you. You just don't know it's him. It's not these idols. It's not the materialism. It's not the TV programs. It's not the films. None of those things are going to give you satisfaction. What is going to give you satisfaction is our Heavenly Father. He gives you rain from heaven. He gives you the wonderful food that we eat. And he provides us with joy in our hearts as we live our lives, providing everything we need, giving us a friend that we, we need, giving us family members. Things that uh, um, Andy was just saying, toddlers bring great joy. Where have they come from? They have come from the Lord. So as we're sharing with our friends, neighbours and family members, let's remind them whenever we get the opportunity that God is good to all. And uh, he's created everything. And He put, it's him who provides us with the food we need and with the joy that we experience from being alive. So first sentence of uh, 
Elijah in his prayer, let it be known today that you are the God of Israel. Notice though, secondly, this is an interesting one. Was Elijah being boastful here? He said, um, Lord, let it be known that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. So don't let us be shy about telling people that we do worship the true, only, living, faithful God who made everything. Uh, God wants us to be confident. We are God's people. He gave his son Jesus to save us. It's not because of us. It's because of his gift to us. Romans 8.19 tells us this. You'll recognize this verse probably. The whole creation is waiting in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Wow. One day, we are going to be visibly identified as the children of God, recognized publicly. Imagine it. Just imagine it. I can't. I, I just can't. We can't imagine what, how that's going to happen, but when Jesus returns. So all the humble people, foolish in the world's eyes, shown up as children of God. 1 Corinthians uh, 1.26 tells us that um, God didn't choose many people who were wise by human standards. He didn't choose the influential people. He didn't choose people of noble birth. He's chosen us. And he calls us the foolish things of the world. He's chosen us, foolish things, foolish people, in order to shame the wise. He's chosen weak things uh, to shame the strong. And he's chosen lowly things and despised things. And the things that even are not, in order to nullify or make nothing, the things that we think are so important, they're all going to descend into dust. All the things that look so prominent, the newspapers, the, the, the important books that have been written, all the knowledge, all the science that... Uh, now claims our attention, all the politicians, the rulers of the world, they're all going to actually end up as nothing. And we, the nobodies, are going to be made visible. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just like God? <laughs> and it's not about us boasting, because it says uh, he nullifies the things that are or he will nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's not about us. It's about bringing glory to Jesus. He will, he will return to take us to be with himself. He calls us his friends. So we need more confidence. So we pray, Lord, let's ask God to give us his Holy Spirit uh, so that we can have confidence and boldness. We are God's people. Then thirdly, uh, Elijah's sentences in his prayer, just three, these three sentences. And this last uh, point is the third main point, that the Lord will turn the people's hearts to himself. Isn't that what God wants for everyone? 
Again, we read in 2 Peter 3, 8, God is patient with you. He doesn't want anyone to perish, says Peter. He is waiting to give everyone time to come to repentance. Last week, uh, we shared the video clip from John Groves, and he was praying for Great Britain. He said, I was praying for our country when the Lord gave him this picture. And he saw, he told, we, we, we watched him and he explained his vision of these yeah, rescue helicopters. I think he said they were yellow. And it made me think of uh, yellow submarines. I don't know why, but the yellow submarines are underneath the ground. They're going for people as well. And helicopters are coming in, yellow helicopters. They're working together. Uh, now, we can't compare the UK today with Israel in the past in the Old Testament. But we know that Jesus came to be a light to the nations, all the nations, to the whole world. So we can definitely pray for our nation. There are many at this time uh, in uh, our country, there are many, many prayer initiatives and they've been going on for a while. Prayers in the, once a year, there's a prayer wall being built, a huge, gigantic prayer wall that's going to be seen from many motorways in the middle of the country in Birmingham, uh, uh, near where that Spaghetti Junction place is. There are many, many prayer initiatives. Uh, the Evangelical Alliance called a Day of Prayer, which we joined in the other week. Uh, we can, uh, some of them, if you want to find out about them, then uh, Livingstone's has a Facebook page you can read about them. Let's join in these prayer togethernesses for our own country. Elijah prayed that it would not rain so that the people of Israel in their desperation would see the folly of worshipping idols and would return to worshipping the living God. Is that what God is doing now? Who knows? I don't know, and I don't want to say he is, but I really don't know that maybe, maybe this difficulty has come upon the whole world in order for God to uh, cause people to seek him. Who knows? Um, once the people saw the fire fall on the Lord's altar, they immediately fell prostrate and they cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The job was done. Then Elijah prayed that it would rain again. And we know the story. It did rain. And then uh, we have mentioned before the next part of the story. Elijah then panicked. <laughs> he, Jezebel was going to kill him. He ran away, he hid in a cave, he wanted to die. Um, we all have times like this when we nosedive. And God doesn't leave us after we've nosedive. If you're hiding in your cave, God is looking out for you. And um, actually, that's another, another talk. And I quite like to give that one as well at some point. Because Elijah then, the Lord said to Elijah, I'm going to pass by in front of you. And um, who else? Do you remember in the Old Testament, did the Lord pass in front of so that he could see his glory? Moses. And those two were the two on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was glorified. They saw, 
They'd already seen the glory of God Moses and Elijah had uh, in their earthly lives in the Old Testament. But the three disciples, Peter, James and John, saw the glory of God as Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. I won't go there. We're not on that topic today. Now, James uh, refers to Elijah. Uh, James, the book of James refers to Elijah in the New Testament. And uh, James tells us right at the end of his letter uh, in um, Elijah, uh, uh, sorry, in James chapter 5, verse 17, this is what uh, James says. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly, earnestly, that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now remember, righteous person in the New Testament means someone who is right with God. And right with God means forgiveness. And that is why it's so important that Jesus came to die, that we might be forgiven for our sins. Forgiveness is the most important thing in our lives so that we can be right with God. And once we're forgiven, then he calls us his children. Our sins have been wiped away. It's not about our own good works. We have to get that right. But the word righteous to us means we've got to be somehow holier than thou and all the rest of it. No, we've got to be forgiven. So the prayer of a forgiven person who is right with God is powerful and effective. I'd like to um, just mention the rest of what James says when he talks about the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's our prayers. That's our prayers. Let's be confident. Let's pray our prayers. Uh, James says in, in, in chapter 5, verse 13, is any one of you in trouble? What should we do? If you feel you're in trouble at the moment, what should you do? James gives the answer. He says, let him pray. Is anyone happy? Says James. What should that person do? Well, let him sing songs of praise. Thank God. Uh, is any one of you sick? What does James say that person should do? Well, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick people well. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness of sin. Thank you that we're right with you. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that we can continually confess our sins, receive forgiveness, receive healing. And when we receive forgiveness and healing, we can be happy and glad and we can sing praises to our God. We can pray in trouble. Thank you, Lord. So, hope there's stuff there that we can be really encouraged. Let's pray for our country. And remember, uh, Elijah prayed earnestly. It's so important that we mean it with our whole heart when we pray. If we're casual, well, 
I don't know if God really does listen. But if we're earnest, like the people we read about in, in the Bible, when they came to prayer, they all fell on their knees. <laughs> they were earnest. They meant it. And um, the Lord answers our prayers. Okay, thank you for listening. What have you like, got, Chloe? Oh, it's a sad little thank you. They all made snakes this morning, so you can try and get them. <laughs> 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 okay, she's back. So, yeah. so, what was the story with the snakes? Presumably the Garden of Eden. No, wrong story. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, the, the snakes in the desert. No, wrong story. The uh, one who has the man his staff, he can step on the snake. No, 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 no. Oh Moses, my God. Moses, is it Moses throwing down his staff? Yes, it is. Oh. <laughs> what do I win? What's the prize? <laughs> the snake. The <laughs> So yes, so there's, there's various little snakes in houses around. Yeah, everyone should be back now. Yeah. Well, Ellie, I've, I've asked Ellie if um, we could bring our time to a close and um, with another worship song and, and worship together. Good. Ellie, over to you. Okay. You uh, lots of people are not on mute, so Dad, I don't know if you want to mute everybody. Uh, so uh, let's finish our time by singing In Christ Alone, Our Hope is Found. Thank you, Ellie. I'm going to invite, who should I invite to just close in prayer with us? Jean, are you there? Yes, it's you. You've been chosen. Could you unmute yourself and just pray for us as we finish? Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the privilege of being able to gather as we can. Thank you for the love of Christ that binds us together with cords that cannot be broken. Help us to go forward in this week and say what we can and do what we can, whether it's by a phone call, a text message, a card in the post. Help us be looking for ways to bring your blessing to those that need a, a word from you. Help us, Lord, to be channels of your, of your word, channels of your blessing, and equip us, Lord, in this time and keep us looking to you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of gathering together. Thank you for the reminders from your word that you never leave us nor forsake us. And we praise and thank you. We do pray this morning for Andy and for the Alpha course again on Wednesday. We pray that you begin to prepare the hearts of those that would attend, that they will have open hearts and open ears to your word, and there will be a harvest of souls. We pray, Lord, your blessing now upon each one gathered and bowed before you. And thank you, Lord, for all your goodness to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jane. Bless you. Thank you for that. Um, it only remains for me to say that coffee is served. <laughs> <laughs> so please feel free to gather and talk and, um, and bless each other. Thanks a lot, everybody. Oh.